the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. EC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Faith is the assurance of, of the things we hope for in the future things that we have banked our life upon, the things that more than we have banked our life upon, the things that we have banked eternity upon. Faith is, is that assurance, that confidence assurance that what God has said He will bring to pass. Even if the world mocks us, even if the world doesn't believe us, even if we have doubts in our own minds, faith is that complete assurance that what God has said He will bring to pass. Have you ever watched a skilled athlete or craftsman? How about an accomplished musician? When you watch anyone who is good at what they do, what's the main thing they all have in common? I think it's confidence. The musician knows that if she holds her fingers in the right place with the right amount of movement and strokes her bow just so, her violin will make exactly the sound she wants it to make. When the mechanic assembles an engine, he knows that if he uses the right parts, the right fasteners and supplies, He applies the proper torque to the screws and does it all in the right sequence. That engine will run reliably. And all of these people know that they can accomplish those things because they are experienced. They know their abilities. When we watch God at work in our lives, it's even better. God isn't just experienced. He's perfect at everything He does. He knows ahead of time what will happen in all situations. When we rest in confidence that God is all-knowing, infinitely wise, all-powerful, and loves us completely, we can have even greater confidence in Him than the mechanic has in his own skill. We will have confident assurance that He has everything under control. In other words, we will have faith. And faith is our subject once again today. Welcome, my friends, to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. This daily radio Bible class produced by Verse by Verse Ministries is an expansion of that teaching ministry. Now today's class is the first part of Pastor Steve's second message on the heroes of the faith. Today and during the next two lessons, we will be looking in particular at the great example set for us by Abraham. The Bible is full of wonderful examples of people whose lives exemplified faith in God. Abraham is one of the most famous. We will find out why that is and how we can increase our own faith as we move through these lessons. Now, here is Pastor Steve. I invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Beginning at verse 8, we are told about the great man of faith, Abraham. And while the passage actually goes to verse 19, we'll just read till verse 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, 
obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive, which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. The entire 11th chapter of Hebrews is about faith. It is the faith chapter. It is the gallery of the heroes of faith. It is very simple for you to uh, remember and keep in mind. Hebrews 11 is about faith. Now, our writer to the Hebrews has reached a very pivotal point in his, in his, uh, in his letter to these Jewish people. And after 10 chapters in which he has basically given a doctrinal portion of Scripture whose basic theme is this, Jesus Christ is better, better than anything that you left in Judaism. Jesus is superior. That is the theme of this letter, but the emphasis in chapters 1 through 10 would be the doctrinal portion of the letter. Jesus is greater than the Old Testament prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the priesthood. He is greater than all the sacrifices. And the summation of all is that Jesus Christ is greater. So the writer, in essence, is saying to these people, why would you even consider going back to Judaism? What did Judaism have for you that you don't have in a better way now? That's, that's the point. Because the Jewish community, the unbelieving Jewish community, was putting pressure on these people to return to Judaism. And the writer saying, don't go back. Don't go back. You have so much more in Christ. That's chapters 1 through 10. However, the truth of the matter was that they weren't simply pressured intellectually to go back. They were actually persecuted. They were suffering for their faith. He says this in chapter 10. In chapter 10, verse 33, well, actually, it starts in verse 32, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. And he says in the next verse that uh, you were made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulation. They were just mocked publicly. And also, uh, he says that um, some in verse 34 had your property seized. So it wasn't that people were just ridiculing them, you know, calling them names. It was that actually some of them lost their property. So these people were suffering for their faith, and some had actually already began to retreat back to Judaism. That's why he says in verse 25, not forsaking your own assembling together as is the habit of some. He's not talking about missing an occasional uh, Sunday in church. He's talking about forsaking Jesus Christ, forsaking forever the assembling with believers as the habit of some has become. They've gone back to the synagogue and they have left Jesus Christ. And so, He has reached chapter 11 in which now he turns, as I said, it's a pivotal portion of Scripture, he turns from from instructing them on doctrine and why Christ is greater to now exhorting them to continue on in the faith, exhorts them to hang in there, to persevere, to walk by faith. And you see this as he concludes chapter uh, 10. He says in verse 35, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, Your confidence in what? Your confidence in Jesus Christ, which has a great reward. In other words, think of the future. You have a reward coming to you. Those of you who really know Christ have an eternal reward. Don't throw it away. For you have need of endurance, and that means perseverance and patience endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what what was promised. In other words, you just hang in there and you do God's will and you prove to be true, genuine believers by persevering, and then when you die, you receive the promise that God has given us 
of heaven. And he says in verse 37, for yet in a little while, a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Hang in there. Christ is coming back. But what do we do in the meantime? We walk by faith. Verse 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith. That's us. Those who are righteous, those who have been made righteous by Jesus Christ, we are called to walk by faith. We may not feel good. We may not feel like life is going our way, but we are called to endure and to walk by faith. But the question is, what is faith? And so as you move to chapter 11, he says in verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. That is to say that faith has absolute confidence in God to fulfill his promises. Faith is the assurance of of the things we hope for in the future, the things that we have banked our life upon, the things that more than we have banked our life upon, the things that we have banked eternity upon. Faith is, is that assurance, that confidence assurance that what God has said he will bring to pass. Even if the world mocks us, even if the world doesn't believe us, Even if we have doubts in our own minds, faith is that complete assurance that what God has said he will bring to pass. And not only that, he writes, it is the conviction of things not seen. Even though we don't see these promises fulfilled right now at the present time, we have the absolute conviction that they will come to pass. You know, all of us are called to walk by faith. We're all called to walk by faith. Those of us who know Christ are called to a life of faith. We've not only put our trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life, but we are called, once we begin that that trust, we are called to walk by trusting him. And that is what faith is. It is a trust in God to fulfill his word, even though we live in tough times that, quite frankly, try our faith. Those trying times also develop our faith as well. And that's where the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 uh, fits in. We're presented with a roster of men and women of God, biblical characters who demonstrate to us how to live by faith, how faith operates in a hostile world. That's what we need to know. We don't need simply abstract principles of live by faith. We need to know how does the rubber meet the road? How do we really put this into practice? And so starting with Abel, in the earliest of times, and running right through to the prophets, to the Old Testament Jewish prophets, the writer shows us how we are to live by faith, by how they lived by faith. So this is not a very difficult chapter to understand. It's more difficult to apply. We're basically seeing how they lived by faith so that we might live in the same manner. Now, last time we were together, we looked at three pre-flood Bible characters, and that was Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And now today our focus is a little bit, uh, a little bit going on in history, more present in history, although it's ancient to us, of the patriarchs. We're moving into the patriarchs of the Jewish nation. Those are the founding fathers, starting with Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then we'll look at Joseph, and then he goes down to later to Moses. And so we're moving uh, through history, and this morning we begin by looking at the father of the faithful, and that's Abraham. You cannot have a study about faith without Abraham. Abraham is the supreme example of faith in the Bible. There are other great men and women of faith, but Abraham tops them all. Beginning in Genesis 15, 6, and I would mark this down if I were you. You don't need to turn there, but the great verse in the Bible that tells us where Abraham stood with God, it says, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. God put it on his account. 
Abraham believed that, that God would give him a land, that God would make a great nation of him, that God would, through his seed, bring about a blessing to all the families of the earth. And that seed, the scripture tells us, is Jesus Christ. Abraham maybe didn't understand it all. In fact, I don't think he understood it all. In fact, I know he didn't understand it all. We understand far more today, but Abraham believed God with whatever comprehension he had. And the Bible says that God put it on his account that he was declared righteous. It didn't mean he always behaved properly. It didn't mean that that he was perfect. It meant that as far as God looked at Abraham on his record, perfection, righteousness. So Abraham is the great example of faith. Isn't that a great concept? Did you catch what Pastor Steve just said? Abraham, the great example of faith, was not perfect, but he believed God and God said, that's what I want. If we had the kind of faith Abraham had, we will obey the way he obeyed. It's faith that makes obedience possible. But it wasn't his obedience that saved him, nor will our obedience save us. Both our salvation and our obedience are made possible by our faith in what God says. If you just tuned in, we would like to welcome you to the class. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of our lesson, stick around after class and I'll explain how you can hear it again online. Pastor Steve is just starting his second message on the heroes of the faith that are described in Hebrews chapter 11. That's our main text, but when we return to class, in a moment, we'll be looking more closely at Abraham, and we'll be reading from Romans chapter 4. Let's go back to the lesson now and see what else we can learn from Abraham. Then, if you'll turn over to Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul picks this up as he is presenting the great doctrine of salvation to the Romans, and he's telling them that you're not saved by law, you're saved by faith, by faith in God's Son and His death for you. And uh, I believe that at Rome there were many, many Jewish believers, and so the Apostle Paul has to explain to them and, and really meet their objections that they might say, but we think that salvation is by the law. So he says, well, let's look at Abraham, the great, the great father of our nation. He says in verse one, for what then shall we say, or what shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh is found? If, if they, if ever a man they thought could be saved by works, then Abraham was the guy. Because he was the greatest man in Jewish history as far as the founder. Of, of the nation. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Not before God, he can't boast because he wasn't saved by his works. For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Quoting from Genesis fifteen six. Now to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as a favor, but as what is due. When you pick up your paycheck at the end of the week or however you, you are paid, um, they don't say, uh, or, or you don't say to them, I'd like you to do me a favor and give me a paycheck. No, you say, I, I worked for this, and I deserve it, and give it to me. That's exactly what he's saying here. The one who works his wage is not reckoned as a favor, but what is due. You worked for that. Verse 5, but to the one who does not work, that's us, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, 
His faith is reckoned as righteousness. We don't work for salvation. We work for our paycheck, but we don't work for salvation. Just like Abraham. Abraham never worked for salvation. Now, once you're saved, you work and you serve the Lord because you love him. But you don't work to get to heaven. And then he goes on to say in verse 11 of chapter 4, Speaking of Abraham, for he received the sign of circumcision, a seal, the righteousness of faith, which he had while uncircumcised, that he might be, watch this, the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be reckoned to them. This is Paul's way of saying that Abraham is the spiritual father of the Gentiles. If you are a Gentile by background, as most of you are, and you have come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then Abraham is your spiritual father. Abraham is your spiritual father. You are sons and daughters of Abraham because you have believed like him. But what about the Jewish people? Verse 12, and the father of the circumcision. That's simply saying the father of the Jewish people to those who are uh, who not only are of the circumcision, but those who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham while he uh, was yet uncircumcised. So Abraham is the father of the faithful. In fact, his name is mentioned about 75 times in, in the New Testament. And as sons and daughters of Abraham, we are to follow in his footsteps as we are to emulate his faith. Therefore, we need to know about his faith, right? So this morning, we are going to look at two characteristics of Abraham's faith. We won't be finished with Abraham, but we'll start by looking at two characteristics of his faith. Very practical, very helpful. Ask the Spirit of God to apply it to your life because this is the kind of stuff that you can apply and really it'll make a difference in the way you live. Number one, Abraham's faith was active. It was responsive. I call it active. It's the same thing. Obedient, active, responsive. It responded to what God said in an active way. Verse 8, just the beginning, says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, now let's stop there. The story of God calling Abraham is found in Genesis 12. So you really should have a bookmarker or something to go back to Genesis 12. However, the background of the call in Genesis 12 is even further back, and that's in Genesis chapter 11. Verse 26 these are ancient times, and so we're going to meet some ancient people. And Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. So these are three brothers, Abraham or Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. And Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor, so now there's only two brothers left. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and, and Iscah. And Sarah was barren. She had no child. Now let's stop there. With these verses, we are introduced to Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Now, who was Abraham and why was he so special? Uh, Abraham was a pagan man. He was raised in a family of idolaters. Most people do not realize that. 
Most people think somehow Abraham was raised in a spiritual family and he just kind of believed like that and he was nurtured along. No, not true. Abraham was a heathen raised in a family of idolaters. And the reason we know this is Joshua. Yes, Joshua 24.2. You say, Joshua, where'd you pull this out of? Out of commentaries. Where, where else? Joshua 24. I don't know all this without uh, the help of great men of God. Joshua 24.2. And Joshua said to all the people, this is sort of an obscure verse, but it's very, very helpful. It reveals a lot about Abraham. Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, from ancient times, your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of, of Nahor. And they, watch this, served other gods, other gods, those who are uh real scholars and have really researched this out, tell us that the gods that they worshipped were probably, probably a central god would be the moon god. So imagine that Abraham was raised in a family that worshipped the moon god as well as other gods. He did, he did not grow up in a home in which he worshipped the one true god. So he grew up in a family of idolaters, and he lived in a city called Ur in a region called Chaldea. Now, that may mean nothing to you, but to archaeologists, that really means a lot, because Ur, according to archaeological research, uh, Ur was a center of civilization. It was the New York City of its day. It's not some kind of hick town out of the way. It's not the suburbs. Ur was a big commercial center, a highly developed material and intellectual center of civilization. Trade routes went through this city, and wherever you have trade routes, you have big business and you have a lot of people. In fact, one person estimated they had about a quarter of a million people living in Ur. Now, that is huge. Uh, even today, that's big. But imagine back then, where they mostly had little villages, so Ur was the New York City of its day. In fact, a recently discovered tablet of stone revealed that the mathematicians of Ur were trying to find a solution to a problem in trigonometry that still baffles modern-day mathematicians. So this was not some backwards kind of a place. These were not uh, ignorant uh, people. These were highly learned, uh, learned people of their day. These were. Uh, this was a very cosmopolitan area. But from this major city and cultural center, God reached down and he called Abraham to leave it. And that's where chapter 12, verse 1 comes in. In fact, chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 3 is one of the key Bible verses in all the scriptures. If you miss this, you miss much of the scriptures because this tells us about the promise to Abraham. It's called the Abrahamic Covenant. And you can't understand the Old Testament. In fact, you can't understand much of the New Testament without understanding the Abrahamic covenant. It's an unconditional promise to Abraham to make him a nation, to give his people and uh, himself the land, and through him Messiah would come, which would bless all the families of the earth, not just the Jewish peoples. And with that, we need to start bringing our class to a conclusion for today. Pastor Steve will have the specifics of that great promise in our next class. We've learned already that faith has a foundation. The author of Hebrews spent 10 chapters explaining how the Lord Jesus Christ is superior to angels, to the Old Testament law, to priests and prophets, and to sacrifices. He is better than any of those things. And then here in chapter 11, 
He says to us, now look at these people who believed God's promises in spite of difficulties, in spite of not seeing the promises come to pass. Even in the face of torture and death, they kept on believing. They demonstrated that the faith which God gives us is up to any challenge Satan can place before us. I find that encouraging, don't you? Thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. The Lord has been using His practical, expository teaching style at Lakeside since 1981, and the ministry has now grown to also include these daily radio classes. Today's class was the first portion of Pastor Steve's second message on the heroes of the faith, taken from Hebrews chapter 11. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, call us at 727-239-0306. That's the number to call if you'd like to order a cassette or an audio CD with just this message and no announcements. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. The number again, 727-239-0306. If you would like to hear today's class again, or make sure that a friend gets to hear it, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download by right-clicking the link. If you want to make sure you don't miss any lessons, you might like to sign up for our free podcasting service. We also offer a complimentary newsletter. To go back in time and hear previous classes, follow the link to our archives page. and You can choose from various programs that have been aired in the recent past. Once again, the web address is versebyverseradio.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.